Welcome to another episode of the Church Engagement Podcast. I am your host, Joel Guthrie, and I'm so excited to have Tyler Reagan with us this week. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about inheriting a team. He dropped some exclusive content from his upcoming book that comes out this fall. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Welcome to another episode of the Church Engagement Podcast. I am your host, Joel Guthrie, and I'm so excited to have Tyler Regan with us today. Uh, We're going to talk about getting thrust into leadership and trying times and transitional times. Um, It's a very timely conversation, especially with everything that's going on in our world. Uh, If you're new in a role of leadership or even if you've been in one for a while, we're we're in a new space and time. Um, So I'm really excited to have Tyler with us. Tyler, introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Joel, for having me. It's Tyler Reagan. I, um, for the last seven years, was a part of an organization called Catalyst, and I was the, I led it for about six of those years, or somewhere around those lines. And um, really, just a gift. If you don't know what Catalyst is, it's been a national uh, Christian leader movement um, for twenty something years. John Maxwell started, and so it was a, it was a real honor for me to steward it for a season. And uh, just recently, about six, seven months ago, left full time there and, and doing my own uh, leadership coaching and consulting world. And I think what's fun is the conversation we get to have today actually is very timely for me, too. I just turned in the manuscript for book two, which has a lot of conversation around uh, basically how do you lead things you didn't start? And so what does transition look like? What does it look like when you step into something that's very different than you expected? You know, some of that. So. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm up to now and, and working with a few churches and organizations, um, you know, throughout the U S and really just trying to continue to create content that helps leaders be better. Um, at the end of the day, I, I don't know a lot of leaders, a lot of people who have walked away from faith or Jesus because of Jesus, they walked away because of bad leadership, um, in the faith space. And so I just, I feel like part of my calling in life is to continue to fight that the church is the greatest, um, leadership organization on the planet. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Yeah. We're so, I'm just so excited to have you on here, um, and talking through all these topics, especially like even what you're, you're passionate about with leadership is a lot of the things that we're, that church leaders are taught in seminary and going to college and stuff. Isn't that organizational leadership. It's not how to manage transition. It's, it's, it's so that you kind of had to learn, either from the people you were underneath in your first role at a church or um, kind of figure it out on your own. So I'm excited to equip the pastors that are listening with uh, some awesome strategies yeah. and best practices to navigate that. And on top of all the other craziness um, where, <laughs> with everything that's going on in the world, um, where, where do you think a lot of this uncertainty um, anxiety and stuff comes from in a leadership role in a church? You know, I, it comes from a lot of places. I think uh, one thing that anybody that's been in the church for any length of time for the last, say, decade, 12 years, if, if you walk through 2008 and the financial crisis that hit us in 2008, you watched how churches weren't really prepared financially for what toll that was going to take, or they didn't move fast enough, or they didn't make adjustments quick enough, and they just thought, oh, it'll rebound, it'll rebound, it'll rebound. Next thing they know giving drops 40% or, you know, uh, whatever that looks like, um, being in the event world for so long, 
one of the things we knew is so goes the economy, really, so goes our event world potentially, because um, one of the first things people do, it seems like, and I'm not I'm not a scientist or I haven't researched this, but it seems like based on experience, one of the first things people stop doing is is giving or um, you know, taking any extra income that they have doesn't go towards, Oh, I'm going to go to an event. I'm going to go to a conference. or I'm going to give to my church. Like those are the things that seem to get uh, put on the back burner until life gets a little better again. So I think there's always a, probably a healthy fear if you're paying attention to when the economy gets hit like this, man, there's some realness to that. You know, um, there's also some greatness to that. You know, there's a lot of churches, one I'm working with right now that, uh, as it as it's kind of surveyed the last few weeks, realizing, man, we just got kind of loose, maybe potentially with some of our our uh, expenses. We really we have that many part time contracts. Really, we have. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost like you can evaluate and survey, and use this as an opportunity to kind of get right again, to reset again, to 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 get not bare bones for bare bones' sake, but let's just make sure that every dollar spent is a dollar we're really proud of how it's being spent. And I'm, I'm not saying churches are, um, they, they definitely are not like all over the map in terms of spending in terms of like, Oh yeah, well, whatever. Like the way I've always said it, I don't care if you're in for profit or nonprofit, every dollar that you spend is a dollar that was either given or a dollar that somebody had to go earn. And so how we steward those dollars in business and in ministry, it really matters. So I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is just none of us, I, I don't care, honestly, how much faith you have, Uncertain times like this, unprecedented is probably a better word, unprecedented times like this coronavirus thing that we're dealing with, this just brings up anxiety for anybody, doesn't it? Like, it's just like, what is happening right now? You know, even before we started recording, you and I were just talking about just the anxiety of like, I can't go do that. I can't go get on a plane and go see that. Like, that brings a different level. So I I think it's coming at us from a hundred different angles. Yeah, totally. I think it's, yeah, it's absolutely wild the way this is impacted and there's so much personal anxiety attached to it as well. And then the leadership role, you're also responsible for the congregation. And even in these times, everyone's, we look to the church of how's the church going to respond? How's the church going to give and take care of the community? And when you're also dealing with your own personal anxieties about your own health, your family's health, your staff's health, yep. the health of the church is overwhelming. I don't, I don't envy uh, the church leaders in those positions right now, uh, <laughs> but I'm rooting for them. Definitely. Um, I think, well, I think one just, thing Joel that's happened too, though, is it, it is, it, this has removed the front door. This has removed the obstacle for people who want to check out faith because they don't have to walk into, they don't have to get in their car. They don't have to drive and figure out what time they don't have to do these things. They're literally able to just click and watch and now all of a sudden we're seeing these crazy moves of people coming to Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, if you follow Phil Wickham at all, but, mm, yeah. um, last, last, last weekend, you know, president Trump on Saturday tweeted out if, you know, it's Palm Sunday tomorrow, I'm going to be watching Greg Laurie's church at harvest, right? At yeah. 10 AM. Phil posted some uh, statistics on Instagram two days ago. They had 1.3. Three million people watched the stream and they had a, over 11,000 people click that they're giving their life to Jesus. That's like crazy. When have we seen that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, think about that. There's no way in a million years that's happening. If people had to go to that building and gather and then make those decisions. Do you see what I mean? Like, 
um, they can't hold that. And so yeah. I think it's such an incredible awakening opportunity for the church. Um, most of the time, you know, we're as worship leaders, you, you know, you're a former musician, so you'd get this, but you know, we're, we're gauging engagement on hands raised or like smiles or eyes closed. But one of the things I heard years ago, I think it was Amy Grant that said this is, Hey, quit gauging it on that. Sometimes somebody's spiritual act of worship is just showing up. Literally, you don't know where they came from that morning. You don't know what last night looked like. The fact that they're in the room was their spiritual act to God. It's them saying, God, I'm here. I'm barely here, but I'm here. Think about that. We've removed that obstacle where people can just come and hear the gospel and hear the truth and worship without all these layers. So the church is never going to be the same, man. We know that. Like, even though, let's say when stay-at-homes are released and people can start gathering again, I think it's going to take a while for it to ever get back to 80, 90% in the room. I think a lot of people are going to get used to this style. And then there's a lot of people that see it now as an opportunity without having to um, really face somebody in the initial conversations um, to really kind of test this faith thing out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool to watch all of these churches innovate and kind of shed. Like we were talking about just even not just, way they're spending and staff and stuff, but shed the things that we've always done for 40 years. We don't, we've done it yep. this way on Sunday morning because we've always done it this way. That's right. And it, this is forcing the church to rethink that. And, uh, which is so exciting and so cool to see, like, yeah, the church will never, never be the same. And it's, it's an op- awesome opportunity to watch churches learn just the value of technology of like, this is not an either, or it's an, and conversation. It'll never replace yep. Sunday morning, but right now it's never been a, better time for this pandemic to happen for the church. We've, if this happened 10 years ago, live stream is barely a thing. Like there's all those kind of things that we couldn't have done if it wasn't for right now and where technology is. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you guys have always loved that space. Um, and, and have given your hearts and your time and your, in your careers to, you know, moving, uh, moving ministries, businesses, churches forward in the technology space. I think that's one of the things I've always loved and respected about black pod and the way your, your, um, organization has led. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love it. We, we want to see the church go as far as it can. And technology is quite the, the catalyst, uh, to get them there. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think to kind of bring us bring it back around to the, the leadership conversation, this, this time of transition, we have kind of the of of leaders coming in um in a in a lot of churches if you're coming in as a new lead pastor, executive pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor, you're coming in and you're stepping in somebody else's shoes. What what are ways if there are new pastors that are just out of seminary looking for a job or if they're pastors who have just kind of come on staff somewhere, where what are the best, some, some great strategies and preparation tools that they can use to walk into yeah. that space. Cause you're walking into wounds, you're walking into habits, you're walking into rhythms that you, you're not aware of yet. Um, yep. where's, where's a great place to start for those leaders. So you, uh, Joel, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are the lucky one who gets to hear some of this new content that's in the book. Uh, it release content that it is true, man is next spring <laughs> is when it comes out. So literally we're still we just finished the you know final rounds of edits. And so here, I'm just going to give you a little snippets. I won't, you know, give it all away, but, um, it, you know, there's the thing I, I talk about is there's a, there's a few things, but the, the, the first major thing to understand and as believers, um, this is where I think we start. And, um, I think you would agree with this, Joel, that if somebody could come in 
to a new organization, a new team at a team that exists, uh, a platform that exists, uh, even just you're taking over a job description for somebody that people loved or hated either way, you're stepping into something you didn't start. I really believe, and I know this is super simple and it's super elementary, but I really believe if you step in intentional about having and showing the fruit of the spirit, it is the best starting point for any of this conversation. Because if you think about it, everything that you do in this situation is going to require um, some kindness. Like if you come in and you are dealing with a really difficult team, if you don't handle that with kindness, even the difficult conversations, that's, that's not getting you started on the right way. Because one of the goals is you got to gain influence with this group. Um, when I did uh, four case studies in the back of the book on different leaders who have inherited somebody else's team. And um, Buzz Williams, who's the head coach at Texas A&M, basket, men's basketball, just came there about 200 days ago. He's been at Marquette. He's been at New Orleans. And then last week he was at Virginia Tech. So he's been at huge programs. Well, how do you step into a, a team that you didn't recruit, that you didn't, they, they didn't sign up for you, basically? And uh, he just talks about the importance of really being kind and listening to people, you know, so kindness is the fruit of the spirit being good. uh, Goodness is really a sign of just a heart condition, a posture, Um, you know, obviously love, joy, peace. Um, If you're a person of peace, it just makes these transitions that much better. So um, I I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but everybody I've talked to that says, if, if I have a new team member, and they come in with the fruit of the spirit displayed in their life. That's a pretty good start. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're entering this, this relationship in a good way. Um, and then I have just really uh, a pretty simple plan for the first 30 days. And, and what does it look like to step in? But it, it really starts with evaluation. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to spend a lot of time evaluating the scenario. Now, one of the things when we think evaluation, it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to get there. One of the things people are missing is you've got a lot of time to evaluate before you ever walk into the building. So the interview process is critical to you evaluating what really is going on. Because how many of our friends have gotten into a position where they didn't ask those questions up front, they took the job, they moved their family, they get there and they're like, holy cow. (laughs) Like Buzz talked about when he went to A&M, he was like, there were a lot of things that were not exposed to me during the process. And they're worse than I thought. You know, um, and that's, that's life that's going to happen. But again, if we can do a good bit of our evaluation on the front end before we ever say yes to the job, now we know what we're saying yes to. And so then when we step in, we've got that in our knowledge bank. We're going to spend a good bit of time honoring the past, but not being stuck by the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, that, that's a dance. Uh, really all of this is a dance. It's like a little bit here, you know, you're moving, kind of feeling the rhythm. It's, it's really a lot of emotional intelligence required for this. And we can talk about that. Uh, but I, I think your starting spots are come in with the fruit of the spirit and do some serious evaluation in the interview process to make sure this is what you want to inherit so that you know exactly what you're stepping into. And then once you're there, man, I got to evaluate culture. I've got to evaluate uh, mission and vision. Are we going the right places? Um, how are we going to, where are we going to go and how are we going to get there? What does that look like? Does the team like each other? Do they hate each other? You know, is there a lot of gossip? Like evaluation is mission critical for this. And I think, uh, you know, you and I both have been in the creative space. There's a, a really important principle for creatives. And that is they have to understand when we start evaluating ideas, 
we're not evaluating them. Like we're about, like, it's really hard for us as, as, especially creatives to separate an idea that we had and executed on from me personally and you judging me personally. What, what we have to learn as creatives is no, we're judging the idea. The idea didn't work. We don't think that's your fault. Every idea, not everything's going to work, but man, is it hard to separate those things out? So those are the first, I've got more steps obviously, but um, I think if we're just talking about how do we step in, what's the early thinking? Uh, for me, it's, it has to do with evaluation. Yeah. I, th- I, I love that. That's great. And just thinking through leaders that I've been underneath, watched them come in and I've already been in role and have them transition in and the ones that I thought have done it well. And the ones that I thought didn't do it well, I think, yeah, the ones that did do it well is that fruit of the spirit, the humility, the let's ask questions before we change stuff. Yep. Um, I want to ask, it's a kind of a self-serving question as an aspiring leader. Um, where is the balance between excitement to come in and like, I, I, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram super like, yep. let's, let's go. I'm driven. I've got vision. I, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity and the potential. Where's, where's the line between communicating excitement and it not coming across as egotistical? Yeah, there, uh, that's a really good question. There's a, um, uh, passage in Proverbs nineteen twelve, or excuse me, nineteen two, and it simply says, "It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor be hasty and miss the way." And the message says, "A desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses the way." That passage, uh, I think you heard. I think maybe it's NIV or something where it says, "Zeal without knowledge is deadly." Mm. And all of us have worked with leaders who are super passionate, who are super emotionally connected, who are super excited, like you said, and yet uh, have not connected that with wisdom. Mm. Um, and passion is great, but if it is not connected to healthy wisdom, you can really run the train off the tracks uh, because you just think, well, my passion's going to get us there. No, what God says, even in the word is, man, if you don't connect wisdom with passion, you're missing it. Now, there's a lot of people at the same time, but uh, Joel, who are on the other side, who only think wisdom and have no passion. And so there's what, again, how do we find this balance of connecting our passion with wisdom of what we've seen um, in terms of intelligence? It doesn't mean you're not going to take risk. It doesn't, but let's take smart. Let's be smart about these things. And I, I just know a lot of young leaders that are jump first, ask questions later. And man, one out of 7 million stories works that way. You know, <laughs> the rest of them require some serious due diligence. And so when I mentioned emotional intelligence earlier, if you were to tell me or ask me, what, what would you say for young leaders to get, start coupling wisdom with, with passion and start with your understanding of who you are, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-resolution, uh, excuse me, uh, how did I just forget it? So, uh, Self-awareness leads to self, um, dang, I just, I mean, I've taught this for a million years. Anyway, um, it's where you change behavior, self, uh, good grief. I'll get it. It'll come back to me as we talk. No, it's, uh, oh, I don't know. It's, I don't know why it literally, I've taught it for a hundred years, but it'll come <laughs> back to me. Uh, but then you got motivation, empathy, and social skill. Um, it, those are the things that, that make up EQ. And man, if there was one thing I would tell leaders and, and aspiring leaders, learn emotional intelligence. That's the best part about it too, is it can be learned. 
learn yourself, um, self-regulation. There it was. I knew it was going to come to me. Basically there's a lot of leaders that are self-aware, but have never moved past the awareness of who they are or how they talk to people or whatever. Self-regulation says I'm going to change behavior because I'm aware of what I come across. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, those are, so you can see if you can learn some of this emotional intelligence and start understanding yourself and how to regulate your behavior and those sorts of things. Now, if I have a leader that has that in their tool belt and they combine that with a ridiculous passion, woo, man, that's what we're talking about. That's the kind of leadership we all want to be a part of. Yeah, totally. That's great. That's going to put those in my notes for myself as I continue to grow in, in leadership <laughs> and, in, and the roles that I've been in um, and have the opportunity to serve in. Um, yeah, I think the I, I love all that and this is all such great exclusive content for your next book um so you heard it here first <laughs> folks um but as we kind of continue to walk through this we don't want to we try to keep our episodes bite-sized and tangible what yeah if you could share anything in this moment right now with these leaders if it's stepping into a new role or just they've they're in a leadership position right now um what would you tell them right now as we go through this new stage of being digital and digital leadership, a remote leadership for most of these leaders. Um, yep. where, where, what's your advice right now to get us through this season? And then what are you excited for at the end of all this? Yeah, I uh, have an executive that I coach and we were talking last week and I, I just encouraged him. I said, Hey, and I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of thought out there on just don't feel like you got to be uber productive in this time. Don't feel like you're wasting time. If you just watch TV, don't, you know, and that's a very, very interesting perspective on it. What I was encouraging him was when else in our life, are we given the chance and the margin to breathe and to go for a walk first thing in the morning and listen to worship music? When else in our life are we given the chance to take 30 minute breaks and hang out with our kids and play horse with them. When, when else in our life are we given a chance to get our financial house in order without a million things? Now I will say this, Joel, I think I've worked more in the last three to four weeks than I have in a while because it has been a busy, busy season. But I think this is such a sweet, sweet gift. I know it's, it's surrounded in darkness, but there's a gift in the middle of this that says, Hey, let's reset a little bit here. What, what do you need to do to kind of come out of this better on the other side? And this is super practical for me, uh, from, from day one, I, you know, I, you and I were supposed to do this podcast and I got, I got sick. I wasn't feeling good. And I just decided I, yeah, I don't drink coffee. So I love, I love Coke and sweet tea. Cause I'm a good Southern boy, but I do it because of caffeine. Right. And if I knew that if I stop drinking those things, I'm going to have some serious headaches, but I was just like, you know what, this is, if there's ever a time to stop, it's now. And for me, I've been on water, drinking mostly water for the last three weeks. And it's been an amazing adjustment. I know that sounds super practical, but for me, it's making me a better leader because I'm getting a little bit healthier, a little bit at a time. And so I just, that's one thing is I think what a great gift this is for us to just have a little bit of margin to reset. And maybe there's that one or two things that have been on your, when there's time list that you could start checking off. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is really the second part of the process for, um, when you step into something you didn't start is this is going to require patience. Patience is not easy. And there's a reason it's a fruit of the spirit, because if it was left up to just our own flesh and blood, 
we would not be the most patient people in the world. But if we can lean into the Holy Spirit to give us patience in these times, because everybody's going through weird stuff, like that's what it's not just me and you, Joel. I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> but it's a lot of people and uh, everybody's walking through this stuff. So um, anyway, I think it's a very um, surreal time. And as leaders, I don't think you're exempt from feeling that surrealness at the same time. We do have hope in a future that's better. We do have hope in a, in a, um, there is a Holy spirit that is with us. There is a, um, uh, there is a living, breathing savior that has come and he has given us the hope that we need in these times. And so I, I have done a super practical thing since January one. And as a Christian leader, even in a national scene, for years, this is the first year that I can remember that I am up to date with reading the Bible every day for the year. Mm. I know that's so ridiculously elementary, but I'm telling you what's happening is that every time I have a lie or something anxious or something scares me because I'm putting into my soul and my spirit, the, the truth of things, it's allowing me to lean on truth and anchor my soul into truth versus just going with what everything I see around me. And so I, I know these sound ridiculously elementary, but I think sometimes that's where we have to go to get building back onto this leadership journey. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Couldn't couldn't wrap that up better uh, than that. I think, yeah, it's just a, a, such an amazing time of of grace. Everyone's got so much grace for each other as we're all sorting this out. Um, like you said, it's never been, we've never, especially as leaders, had the opportunity to be like, hey, like, I got to step away for 30 minutes to be with the family or just take a brain break for a little while. Yep. Um, and people be like, Oh yeah, totally. Like whatever you need. Like that's, it's, it's such an interesting, <laughs> interesting yeah. time of like, go, go, go. Um, when you have this time to breathe and rest and just kind of this global exhale in a lot of ways, that's right. um, which has been really, really cool. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Um, this will not be the last time and you guys, be sure to check out his book next spring when it comes out. This is exclusive taste here at the Church Engagement <laughs> Podcast. Um, Tyler, how can people connect with you, learn more about you, stay up to date on book stuff and all that jazz? Yeah, so uh, you can go to TylerReagan.com, and that's probably uh, an easier way to just see uh, what's coming up and different things. It used to have speaking engagements on it, but, you know, there aren't a ton of those right now. Uh, but um, it just it'll in the new book, all the stuff will be there, living there. Um and then if you're interested in the consulting side of what I do, it's at the lifegiving.co, because that's what uh, my first book was called, The Lifegiving Leader. Um, and then just at Tyler Reagan, R-E-A-G-I-N on social media. Oh, wonderful. Thank you again so much. Um, those of you guys listening, if you're excited about this, um, Tyler will actually be our super session for the church track at BBCon this fall. Um, we're excited for that. Um, so be sure if you enjoyed this, you can come hear him speak and probably get even more exclusive content uh, from his book before it yes. comes out while we're there. Um, but again, Tyler, thank you so much for being here. All of y'all listening, we love you guys. We're so proud of you as leaders in this time as we innovate and continue to change. Um, we'll talk to you next time.